Hi, everyone. This is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. I'm here with my host, Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hello, Joe. How are you doing today? I'm excellent. I'm excited for another show. I know. I can't believe this is our, what, 26th show? 26th show. Yep. Yeah, it's it's really... a milestone. It's a special milestone for us. It really is, you know. And this is a really special show, and I think that, you know, we have hit a milestone with the show because in the past, we have had the mother of cause marketing <laughs> and Carol Cohn. And then we had the godfather of cause marketing in Phil McCarty. That's right. Now we have the father of cause marketing, Mr. Bruce Birch on the line. Bruce, how you doing? Boy, today? you make me sound you make me sound so old. <laughs> I started when I was twelve, so it's okay. That's right. No, it's 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 a t- it's a term of endearment and respect. It's not Absolutely. it's not Thank like you. your father Thank time you. or something. Well, I'm honored to be with you guys, especially on your twenty sixth show. It's like Thank a you. very lucky number. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Bruce, you know, and uh, we have and Megan and I have so much respect for you, um, and you. all the different things that you've done in in cause marketing. And I was it was kind of funny. Um, I, I was talking to Megan about this, Bruce, and I was saying that, you know, in in my book, Cause Marketing for Dummies, I wrote that the American Express program in the early 80s was really kind of the Columbus moment of cause marketing. You know what I mean? When, yeah, when uh, everyone kind of jumped on board and everyone saw the potential and stuff. And, uh, and I said, Bruce is more like the Leif Erikson of cause marketing. <laughs> you know what I mean? In the sense, like, the Vikings were here before anyone else. They came and went. They set up settlements and stuff like that. But, it, it, you know, at the time, the world maybe just wasn't ready for the big platform that uh, cause marketing uh, became in the 80s. And I was hoping uh, for our listeners, Bruce, you could start by telling us a little bit about those pioneering things you did in the 1970s that really launched cause marketing. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for <laughs> uh, saying that I launched it. I started this basically by looking at needs. I was the public affairs manager with Marriott Corporation. I was sent to California to design the opening promotion of the largest uh, project they've ever done in their history, which is called Marriott's Great America. And I was given sort of this SOP by Marriott Corporation, Understanding Operating Procedures, that said, you know, go around and pass out free tickets to our hotel and to your and to the amusement park and spread a lot of crumbs on the water. And I was 24, I think, at the time. And I said, this doesn't make any sense to me. I don't really see where we're getting a lot out of that. And I certainly don't see where the nonprofits in Northern California were getting much out of that. So I went out and interviewed 20 different nonprofits to find someone that would really need what we could provide them with the opening of this huge family entertainment center and somewhere where they could really help us. And we fell upon uh, the March of Dimes, their West Coast chapter, which covers 17 western states. They needed to get people to not, I mean, the kids would collect the money from the pledge walks, but and they wouldn't go buy a bike with it. But a lot of times, they wouldn't bring it back by the deadline in March of Dimes as a business, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, Marriott's Great America was opening up the largest project in the history of Marriott Corporation and wanted to attract 2.2 million people people through the doors on their first year. Mm-hmm. So my idea was to put these two needs together. We need a big attendance. They need to raise more money and bring in by deadline. Mm-hmm. So quickly we made a contest for the person or, or team that brought in the most money by the deadline would re- win a free trip to the opening of Great America, which would be like going to the opening of Disneyland in Northern California, mm-hmm. for them and 100 of their friends. Huh. So it became this huge viral program all through the high schools and middle schools especially. Mm-hmm. And what the result of this campaign was, 
was because we did a branding in 67 cities. We even had our Bugs Bunny, who was our mascot. He was leading the uh, pledge walks in many different cities. But the bottom line was Great America opened its first year with 2.2 million visitors, which was 200,000 more than had ever come to a regional theme park in history. Mm. And a lot of it was could be attributed to a lot of things because of an exciting new park, but to this campaign. But yep. March of Dimes raised $2.5 million more than they'd ever, was 40% more than they'd ever raised wow. in the history of March of Dimes. So, I so mean, it, we're really seeing that cause marketing, even at this early stage, was really working. Well, it was all about partnership and finding needs and finding the right alignment. We were a family entertainment center. They were a cause looked on children's diseases. It was a perfect alignment. And as we all know in our business, that's the number one rule for cause marketing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it, it really worked. But what I got out of that experience was stepping back and saying our employees were engaged. Our management was engaged. We were out on the walks with them. Everyone got excited about it. And I saw all these different benefits coming through. And the the fun thing to, to wrap it up on that was that when it was all done, all of a sudden Marriott was all for it, thought it was the greatest thing they'd ever seen. <laughs> but at first they were fighting it because they yeah. had basically bucked their rules. Right. And, you know, uh, Bruce, I think what's so impressive about that story, too, is like when I turn 24, I'm going to do something incredible, too. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I I would like to know what exactly you were doing when you were 24, because I'm fairly confident it wasn't bringing together two major organizations. I would like to know what I was doing at 24. (laughs) Now, Bruce, let me ask you a question, though. Who do you identify now, you know, and kudos to you for, I mean, all the things that you did in the beginning. And I mean, that is just an incredible story, which I think really highlights your contribution to the field. But what other pioneers do you point to in cause marketing? And I think that's something that's very valuable about you is you, you kind of have an institutional knowledge there. And, you know, one of the things that you and I have even talked about for is uh, Jerry Lewis's uh, support and you know, creation of cause marketing in terms of like having that heavy corporate presence on his telethon every year. I've written about that on my blog, too. I mean, who else would you identify? Well, what you're hitting upon, rather than maybe pick out certain names, I mean, obviously someone like Carol Cohen is very well known for it, and, and with all due respect, because she should be, but there were a lot of people, like when you call me the father of cause marketing, I go back to people like Andrew Carnegie, yeah. and uh, I, there are people that were that took their wealth uh, from, in that case, their steel corporations, and did something with it by building libraries all over the United States. Mm-hmm. So. It's kind of the semantics of all this, of what you really call cause marketing and what I tend to focus on being cross-sector partnerships. Jerry Lewis, absolutely. Uh, Children's Miracle Network. I mean, there's, uh, uh, you know, the, some of the long-term partnerships that Safeway, for instance, has had a partnership with uh, uh, breast cancer and Susan G. Komen for, I think, 12 or 13 years now. They don't go back to the 70s, but these are long-term relationships, and so much of my work focuses on long-term. Yeah. So I just think there were a lot of people that were were doing what is now called cause marketing, probably right. well before I was. Yep. And I think, and you hit it right on the head. It was the Columbus moment uh, when the, with, for the uh, for the program with the Statue of Liberty and American Express. I mm-hmm. think that was the first one that I saw that was completely tacked on to buying something. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. With most of the programs that I was involved in the early years, we were trying to motivate people to come someplace, but it wasn't buy this can of soup for for Campbell's, let's say, and it benefits Susan G. Cohen. It wasn't that much mm-hmm. transactional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Bruce, let's talk a little bit about 
since you have this fantastic perspective on the industry, and I know mm-hmm. we were talking a little bit before the show, I know that you don't necessarily, you know, do cause marketing right now. I mean, it's 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 an element of what you talk about. Yeah. But let, let's talk about a little bit. What what have you seen over the years? Like what what are the trends that you've seen over the years that you think are good trends for? Uh, let's let's call it a nonprofit profit partnership cross-sector partnership for lack of a better term let's not even use mm-hmm. the word cause marketing so so what are the trends that you've seen and, and what's exciting to you in this industry today just having this perspective that you do have well i think the most exciting thing is it's getting out of the marketing and the pr departments and getting up to the sea level mm-hmm. uh i'm saying we're or they and both sea level of nonprofit, for-profit education and government if you will uh they're looking at cause marketing cross-sector partnerships as a valuable aspect of their overall corporate culture, uh, or which is where Glowing Your Business comes from, I'll talk about, but their overall uh, community involvement. So it's not just the transactional, I want to sell more cans of soup, mm-hmm. as much as it, how can I beneficially impact my community through cause marketing and through cross-sector partnerships. So that, I think, is the most exciting. The project that I just completed this past weekend, it was the CEO of the company that called me up and said, I want to talk to you about our community relations programs. Mm-hmm. And and we moved that into doing a very, very large event. So seeing this, uh, which was once was relegated to more the PR and, and marketing side to sell a product or service, to see it look, uh, go up the ladder, if you will, and have it be seen as part of their overall corporate culture, that is very exciting to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what do you, you know, Bruce, I think it's interesting, too, because you, and whenever I speak to you, you always have that sincerity about, like, that these partnerships have to go deeper. And, I mean, is that the primary sin that you're seeing in cause marketing today? Or is, you know, when you see buckets for a cure or, you know, some of the other things out there that, you know, are really questionable activities for nonprofits and for-profits to partner on, I mean, what, what concerns you? Well, I, I, you brought up a perfect example. I actually used Buckets for Cure, and I hate to pick on KFC, but also the one where they were covering potholes with their logo. Yeah, and right, having, right. Having people drive over them. Yeah. Uh, Yes. What concerns me most is is lack of uh, of a of a real deep partnership in integrating the needs of the for profit and the non profit, where it's purely commercial, purely transactional. That's mm-hmm. what scares me. I'm seeing more and more of that today, where people say, "Oh, because marketing is great, I'm going to sell more of my product, more of my services. I'm going to look good in my community." Well, you've got a very intelligent community base out there, mm-hmm. and because I mean, I remember when Dove, for instance, was was catching a lot of flack because they were uh, giving one dollar off uh, for hurricane relief. Well, I, you know, I came in the Red Cross the day that, uh, day after Hurricane Katrina hit on mm-hmm. August 29th, and you know, Dove had been doing this kind of work for years. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. they they weren't jumping all over the bandwagon. They were a yep. sincere company that realized that dishwashing liquid really helped take tar off a bird's wing. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we need to look at the companies that are doing it. Yes, for 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 financial reasons, of course, they have to have a return on their investment, but they're mm-hmm. deeply committed to helping their employees, and their community. And mm-hmm. when I see companies that are just, you know, whether you want to call it greenwashing or whitewashing or bluewashing, it doesn't matter, but they're mm-hmm. not doing it for the right reasons. And, and I right. take, I personally, personally take great offense to that. Yeah. And I, I think it's such a, you know, and I think what's so important for cause marketers too is like, we can't overanalyze these partnerships 
and not think of what's right from the consumer's perspective. Because I think a lot of times, you know, people start these partnerships in a very well-meaning way. And, but it's like, yeah, but how do you think that, you know, the, you know, the, you know, uh, you know, John Smith consumer, when they're at the register or they're buying the product or they see this, what are they going to think about it with just the piece of information that you're giving them about the program? Whereas we can justify it in our minds because we know all that information. You know, so it's very different. It's very hard to communicate. I mean, uh, any kind of a, a register program or pinup program are, are great programs. I, I really like them, especially if, like, again, using Safeway when they've done it for so many years. Right. Uh, but it's hard for the consumer to be hit with something quickly and make a fast decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tend not to buy those campaigns because I have, and my wife and I have a set uh, philanthropy uh, focus of what we give to each year, and we increase right. those each year. Or we decrease those in one case where we saw nothing coming back to us as a donor from the charity we walked away from it Mm. because it is a partnership even in my personal donations i look as a partnership Uh, so i I think it's difficult in in some campaigns for the consumer if they're just hit with something Uh, a good example of of that not having that way is uh, when i was with the director of marketing communications for the bay area for the american red cross and we you know coming right out of hurricane katrina we knew that we really had to uh, prepare the Bay Area because we have earthquakes literally here every day. You can't mm-hmm. feel them, but you have them here. Mm-hmm. And we did research and found out that only six percent of the entire San Francisco Bay Area was was uh, prepared for any kind of a major natural de- disaster or an emergency. Mm-hmm. Uh, long story short, we developed a three-year campaign with Pacific Gas and Electric as our partner. We raised one million dollars. We generated over three million dollars worth of publicity. Mm-hmm. But what that publicity was doing is we got very clever. We did guerrilla marketing. We got in your street. We, we made it look like landmark buildings in, in San Francisco had fallen down. I mean, it was an in-your-face guerrilla campaign. And the point I'm getting to is the audience over the the three years heard these multiple messages coming after them from different ways, either through training programs or through uh, in-the-street kind of uh, we cracked Union Square in half with a 60-foot decal and made news all over the world. But my point is we kept getting back to the messaging, and the, and the messaging and the strategy of the campaign was what do we have to do to get your attention? Right. So when someone's at a register, it's hard to get their attention for one thing, but it's yeah. really hard to develop a message. And, again, I'm in no way putting down those campaigns. Yeah, sure. But to me, mm-hmm. you want to go wider and deeper. The mm-hmm. end result of that Prepare Bay Area campaign was that after three years, we had registered and trained, physically trained, one million Bay Area residents in emergency preparedness, the most successful training program of this type in history. Huh. And it was because of the partnership. It was right. because of the reoccurring messages that we kept getting out there. Well, I think that's really interesting. Sorry, Joe. Um, I think it's interesting. I think we've already touched on two, I think, of the major issues with cause marketing today. One being communication. I mean, we've seen research even saying that consumers don't get enough communication or the right communication from companies that are doing good works. And then the other thing you're bringing up that we haven't really talked about on this show before, Joe, is time. Like, Mm. And especially going back to your original point, Bruce, of these cause marketing campaigns sitting in a marketing department where they're running for six weeks or two months. You know, Mm -hmm. you're talking about something that it needs more time to kind of get that message through and to get people 
you know, get their attention. So, well, I, I mean, I, go ahead. Absolutely, Megan. We're, we're not selling cars here. I mean, we're, this is not a, okay, six weeks, eight or six month campaign and then move on to the next model. Uh, in, in my opinion, when you're really trying to build the, uh, as I look at it, we've discovered 38 distinct benefits from a well conceived and well executed cross sector partnership campaign. Well, you can't get those benefits which include things like increased employee morale and higher retention. And if you have a higher retention because your employees are excited about working in their community, then they're going to stay with your company. If they stay with your company, they're going to, it's going to increase your bottom line because you're not having to retrain new employees. And the myriad of opportunities that come when you really take the time to, first of all, analyze what happened after the first campaign and then go back and say, okay, what can we do different next year? How do we embellish this? How do we not do that? But what you're always looking for is how can can we embed in our own stakeholders and in the community a program that will work for everybody? And yeah. that takes time. Well, you know what's interesting, Bruce, and I mean, I think this is why you're such a forerunner in all these things, too, is a lot of the programs that you've done before are programs that I think nonprofits and for-profits need to replicate because what I love about your programs, and I think it's so prevalent now, is that they're visual, they're tangible. And they, you know, and they're, you know, they they have this like this dramatic attention getting quality to it that meets a real need in the community. And I think this, you know, this is what I tell nonprofits every time is like they they need to work at ways to cut through the clutter and Absolutely. and get through to people. And I mean, I think that's what you're so good at is like, you know, you have that ability to kind of cut through. And you know, I think what you're highlighting too is, you know, the I see local nonprofits as having a great advantage in the marketplace right now because I think people do want things that are local and tangible mm -hmm. in their community. And um and you know, I would love to see more campaigns uh, like the one you just described. Well, I, I, you really hit on something there, and I, it's something that I strongly believe in in practice, which is uh, working in, in smaller markets. Now, most of my work now is not national like it used to be with the Olympic Committee or Marriott. Uh, my work right now is mostly in the Northern California area. And uh, as I said, this last past this past Saturday, we brought together a four-way partnership between a corporation, a California Assembly member, a county public health department, and a seniors program, and we uh, were able to attract 600 low-income and uninsured uh, residents of Oakland to a mall and gave them, and we had 90 different providers, 90 different providers offering free screenings on dental checkups, cholesterol, blood, HIV, AIDS, smoking cessation, child immunization. There were 90 different providers, but it was done in a local market. We had the mayor, uh, uh, Gene Kwan of Oakland, we had the president of the board of supervisors come out. So my whole role in this was I built the partnership, I brought the politicians together to promote it, uh, and then the partnership all got together. We had two members of each of the four partners sit on our committee, and we worked for four or five months intently to say, how do we reach the public? How do we get them here? And it was a local campaign. Five to 600 people got multiple free screenings. Uh, and, and the maraschino cherry on that Sunday was the fact that the, end, the grand prize of this weekend was a custom-made walker. And the woman that won it, I watched her walk in that morning. She came in early. She was the only person that was noticeably homeless, pushing a, a cart with all of her belongings, walking very slowly with very enlarged ankles and calves. She was having a very hard time walking. At the end of this entire event, with everyone excited and there was music playing and everyone had felt such joy, we have our grand prize winner, and it was her. And mm -hmm. she won the walker. And mm -hmm. we all, the partnership, just looked at each other almost in tears and said, mm -hmm. that's what this is all about. That's yeah, what cause marketing to me is all about. 
Yeah, and it's that hyper-local cross-sector partnerships that, you know, that have become so popular with you. And, you know, you know, Bruce, uh, despite your age, it doesn't sound like you're going to need a walker anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, or maybe a big skateboard or something. But That's right. Yeah. Me, it's, all, it, it's all about the greater good. I mean, I think that's really what we're all saying here. And, and I think anyone that's in our business seriously for the right reasons are saying, how can these for-profit, non-profit educational government sectors come together. And I keep saying government because I'm working on quite a few programs like the one we just did uh, where we had the government involved because they bring maybe not money right now, but they can bring a lot of uh, a lot of wherewithal and support and staff to this. But when it's focused on the greater good, that's the magic. That's what brings it all together. That's, the, as I like to say, the synergistic glue that holds the partnership together. It has to be focused on the greater good. And a lot of times I'm saying the cause marketing programs are really not I mean, they'll put up the, the frontispiece that say, this is what we're doing it for, but they don't drill into it, which is why seeing that woman win that walker, we all said, that's what, well, that's why we did this. Well, that's why we worked the last five months. Right. That's incredible. Uh, uh, Megan, I think we have a, a new title for, um, for Bruce, the maestro of cause <laughs> you think? Uh, I think that probably fits of everything. That's our the, job, Bruce. That's I our just, job. Okay. I just don't think the biking of Cosmocity. Is <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. The I like that better. Yeah. yeah, the Columbus never came to America. but <laughs> That's yeah, right. there, you go. there you go. Hey, Bruce, if, if people want to find out more about your philosophy and about mm. you and your company, can you tell us where they can find out more about you? Well, I'll put in the blog. Thank you for letting me do that. It's uh, just go to Bruce Birch. It's Bruce, and my last name is B-U-R-T-C-H. Go to BruceBirch.com. There's a lot of free information on there. As a matter of fact, the 38 uh, different benefits that we uh, have highlighted uh, in our work, there's a free download of that. Uh, there's a couple of videotapes on there where I'm kind of talking about. Uh, Joe mentioned early, earlier uh, my whole philosophy is called glowing your business, which is, is we went from good to great to endearing to glowing. So it's of the progressions I'm seeing where, where I think this whole industry should be going. Um, one thing I really want to put in here, and, I, and it's right on my website because I feel so strongly about it, is that I, I make a promise when I do my work and when I do my uh, the, the workshops with the people I'm working with. And the promise is there is nothing in business today that provides as much economic and social benefits on as many levels to as many stakeholders as a strategic partnership between any combination of the nonprofit, for-profit education and government sectors. And I really mean that. But they have to be focused on the greater good. And I've seen absolutely nothing in business come even close. No sales campaign, no clever PR campaign. When you are really looking to benefit all stakeholders, that's when this business we're in really works. Well, you know, Bruce, you, you know what the problem is? You're not passionate enough about it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, you know, I mean, you get, you, you know, you, you need to, you need to take it up a notch. You know? <laughs> well, you know, well, thanks yeah, so I much, just, Bruce. No, I, I appreciate that, but I, I'm in it for how we all, and I mean that embracing everyone that is listening to this and everyone that understands our industry, how we all can change the world in a local way, in a regional way, and maybe eventually in a national way. But yeah. there's so many opportunities that I think are being missed. And one last thing on that, a lot of the small nonprofits, I think, are afraid of cause marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, they see Absolutely. the big guys doing yep. it. Yep. And I really think that this can go extremely local, and to your point, Joe, maybe even better on a local, way, on a yeah. local uh, execution. Yeah, that's what Megan and I are hoping. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah well, thank about, you, Bruce. 
Thank you, Bruce. And Joe, how about you? Where can people find out more about the fabulous Joe Waters? Well, of course, people can find me on my blog, selfishgiving.com. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter, minute to minute, at Joe Waters. What about you, Megan? Where can people find you? I'm also on the Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF, and also blog for the Cause Marketing Forum at Cause Update. And you can find Cause Talk Radio and all of the other RashPixel.tv shows on iTunes, as well as Stitcher Smart Radio. So on behalf of Joe and myself, thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio. 